0: Welcome back to User-Friendly Games. I'm your host, Bill Snodgrass, and I hope you had a happy Halloween this year. Now, before I get started to today's reviews and such, I thought I'd take a moment and address a few things. First off, we're going to be changing the format of this program a little. Not the whole show, just my little podcast here in views. Being that it seems like I can't get one of these out very often, we're going to change for me doing more of them more often. That means they're going to be shorter, not our usual 24-minute length. What this means is you'll be able to have them more regularly, and particularly for more games that you want. By that I mean you can pick which ones you really want to hear from me. We will, however, be doing compilations where I put together many of them into a longer, either the half-hour or hour-long format that we decide to do. So, you have that to look forward to. This one will actually be a longer format one, because I'm actually going to be discussing the game Starfinder, as well as the expansion Alien Archive. But back to the few things that I was going to say. The second being that, yes, we have been getting your comments, your questions. However, what happened was, is we started out at the beginning of Season 4 with a little over a 100 followers on Twitter. Just to give you a gauge of following and listening and that kind of thing. Our listeners are very many. We love you all and appreciate every comment and thing that you've done. You've really helped us move up in the last season and a half. It has been amazing. We have had such growth. We've gone from a little over 100 to now we are a little over 100,000 followers on Twitter alone. And that means something else. And that is that a lot of you are commenting and asking questions. Again, that's great. The issue is, is we really did not expect this kind of growth within one season or two or three or I don't know how many a lot of shows take and what happened was is we had a server that was set up to take your comments and your questions don't worry it's still there all of them are there no need to resubmit but you guys did overload it a little don't worry we've had that fixed and changed and all that but we were just astonished by the growth that we've had and we Went from, oh, two or three comments and questions to thousands within a couple of weeks. It was really one of those look away for a moment and come back and, wow, what has happened to us? So, we are getting around to it. We just have a lot to sort through. A lot. And that comes up to point number three. One of the questions that did come up regularly was, for me, how do I choose which games I review? Being how we've started out, and I was just added to user-friendly here in Season 4, we did not have that many contacts with people, things like that, to get such things. So most of the games I've reviewed are ones that I've either purchased myself because I wanted to play, or on the off chance someone did send it to us because we knew someone, or I've been at a convention and come across a playtest or something like that, um, like you saw for us doing Pirate's Flag by Card Lords. And that's how I came across Take the Gold and Battle Goats, which I'll be covering in a later episode of their own. But that's how it's been so far. Um, that's why you've only had like one really semi-negative review, and that was Valkyria Revolution. Because I was expecting a good game, because I loved Valkyria Chronicles, if you couldn't tell that from the review. And honestly, I feel like Sega failed me. I think they failed themselves on creating a product that was worthwhile. And that's how that goes. So... Yes, really it is just a matter that it's what I've wanted to play and what I've gotten my hands on, things that I've had. The Dungeons & Dragons stuff. I am an avid Dungeons & Dragons player. I get this stuff because I'm usually the DM, so I might as well review it because I love it. I love this kind of stuff. In fact, just got Tomb of Annihilation, and I know there's been a lot of good press out there for it, and I gotta say I agree. It is a great campaign, and I will get into that in a later episode as well. But today because I've gotten a hold of it and it recently came out as a system uh, from Pazio Publishing, is Starfinder. So we'll be right back after this break. Remember, like I said, we still want your questions, your comments, anything like that. So look us up at userfriendlyshow.com. Go to our contact us thing, send us your ideas, send us your questions. Hopefully our server will be able to handle more. I know we will. Bill is a very good server manager and network admin. He knows what he's doing. He's already gotten it figured out and is working on a way to organize and sort all of your questions and comments so that we can get them, look at them, and really get back to you guys. That being said, remember also look us up at one user friendly on Facebook and Twitter, and we will be right back after this break. Rotos, Welcome back. Originally I had thought about doing a very lengthy, in-depth review, pretty much every chapter by chapter, of the Starfinder Cold Rulebook. This game came out at Gen Con back in August, and I got my chance to try it at Con this October. Now I played a lot of Pathfinder. Me and my crew actually started with Pathfinder before we switched to Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, as I've said before on a couple of shows. So falling into this was kind of going back a little bit to my Pathfinder thing but not having to have made up tables and calculators and all kinds of stuff. You know, getting out an abacus so I can calculate my rolls and pluses and minuses in my each attack. This game is a lot simpler that way. They've simplified a lot of things, and even just the skill list is half of what the Pathfinder skill list was. But why would you really want to try this game? Maybe it is because you're coming from Pathfinder and you want to try something a little bit more sci-fi fantasy. You know, you like a mix of both. That's what I do. I mean, I like Shadowrun, but cyberpunk with magic is one thing. Space travel with magic is another. This has a great setting behind it. Classes and the races are unique and interesting. And I don't mean unique unique. After so many games, and I mean there are thousands of role-playing games out there, The races and such do feel like Starfinder races. They are unique to it. They are fairly standard. I mean, there's the bug people, there's all kinds of different things. There's giant lizard people, the Vesk. They each fit into that role that we used to remember for certain races, you know, our half works in that. In fact, they even have a legacy set in the back here for legacy races like elves, dwarves, things like that. And I really give them credit for it because it does feel well that way. I feel that the game is pretty well balanced It does seem a little off at first if you're not really understanding how the scale and balancing of it handles. And by that I mean, when you're starting out, most of your weapons are only doing 1d4, 1d6 damage. At max, you might have taken a two-handed melee weapon, and you're doing 1d12. Your weapons have levels and things like that, and they even simplified things like encumbrance which was always such a hassle in the past that I never even cared. This one makes it a little bit easier to manage and a little bit easier to understand for everybody by changing it from fully encumbered to bulk problems. Every item has a bulk rating, you add that together, and we're talking going from a number where, oh, I can carry 600 pounds, oh, well, this weighs one and a half pounds, this weighs six pounds, da-da-da, to, okay, this is light, which is a tenth of a bulk This is one bulk, this is two bulks, and you can carry ten bulk without being encumbered. That kind of situation. The scale thing also comes into a matter of fact because one of the big things they've added is you kind of do have to go get a hex grid map. If you do tabletop stuff, the editor of the mind, you know, you don't really need too much. But the hex grid is required for the space combat in the starships. I liked it. It was great. It had a tactical mindset. They took a lot of different ideas from a lot of different games and built Starfinder. They added in things like theme, which are very reminiscent of, say, backgrounds from Dungeons & Dragons. They added in starship combat, which I just mentioned. It's very much like X-Wing, the miniatures game, where you have the cards and you have the miniatures and you move them in how much the turn radius is and things like that and how initiative works. And there's a scale thing there, too, because... It's also really weird when you're playing on a starship and you're still rolling a 1d4 for damage. And they explain that as scale. And that is that technically if you were attacking a character, it would be 1d4 times 10 for that specific weapon. In fact, they even say that because of different reasons, you wouldn't use a starship against a normal creature or something. Now, there are a lot of creatures that are colossal size, so different subject there. But that's really where you get into the idea behind this, is it is a huge universe. Now, they gave us a really great setting. They took from the Pathfinder thing. That's why there is a lot of overlap. There is an entire chapter in this called Legacy. That gives us the races that we have in our Pathfinder games, our elves, our dwarves, our halflings, our gnomes, that they kind of said changed and went different paths in the game. Because this is technically... In Pathfinder's world, Golarion, except in the future, an event called The Gap has happened, they've developed space travel, and Golarion has for some reason disappeared and is replaced by a giant space station called Absalom Station. Different things have happened, different reasons. It gives a lot of plot opening, there are wars going on, there is an entire planet of basically liches and undead, so there is, you know, spacefaring undead, They're, they really pulled together a great setting. And I think, as any DM says, having resources and having jumping off points is a great one. I've already begun setting the stage for a campaign world. I've really changed how I think about setting up campaigns. And I think it gives that bonus, just in their way that they're handling stat creation and stuff. There is one stat in here where they've actually incorporated the array system similar to the one that is in Dungeons & Dragons where you just pick... Or take 15 14 13 12 10 and 8 and plug them in and they've said in that because they added in the racial trait bonus and the theme bonus here in pat in Starfinder, and allows it to do whatever you can play counter to your race on this because they basically said throw out those stats because they don't matter they've already factored into the number array which is something like 18 14 11 10 10 10 if you're going focused it splits to 16 16 or 14-14-14 for a jack-of-all-trades, and they said basically throw out the theme modifier, throw out the racial modifiers, pick whatever, and play it. And I think that's really great, and that was one of those things that was really tough for me when I started this, and sometimes is an issue when I play, say, Shadowrun. They give so many variations and options in the classes, because there's less classes than you're used to. Each one has a subtype, that allows it, like, they combine the cleric and the druid together. It is considered a mystic, but it depends on the sub-archetype you go with. There's, so like, a ton of fighter archetypes in this, which is the soldier. They brought back a lot of the old ones, added in new ones, and you really customize your fighter. Your soldier doesn't have to be just one way. You can have a charismatic or intelligent or wise fighter that doesn't really do much other than jump around, Or you can really have, you know, the heavy meathead shield smasher, you know? So I would really say, if you're looking for something different, where you want to see how a game can change and cut out a lot of stuff, and come down to a situation where I've, I've looked at this, and really it does come down to how you're focusing your skills, you can technically have an entire party of nothing but soldiers or a certain class and pretty much still be as effective as what we used to consider a really well-rounded-out party. You know, where you would need a magic caster, a cleric, a fighter, a rogue, so on and so forth. There is really an option here where you can set your character up to be somebody who fills those different roles. It is very reminiscent to me of Shadowrun in that regard, but Shadowrun is very, very much wider open. And that can be a little daunting when you're not expecting it. In fact, that was one of those things. My first impression of this book, because I'm an artist and layout has a lot to do with how people react to a piece, opening this book, I actually felt really overwhelmed and crowded just because of the layout. And it is a new game, so there is a lot to take in. The layout did make it seem like there was a lot more. And some of it is really just getting rid of old conventions that we're used to in games, Like, they've really tried to streamline how combat works. And by that, I mean, really, you only get one attack per round. There are abilities and things that give you more than one attack, but it's not really great or a reason to do it until later levels, things like that. There are reasons and things to do it. It's just not needed. And I think that really helps keep around to the meat of what this game is. The less rolling of dice you're doing, possibly the more actually talking and being in character you are if that's your thing. If you're really into hack and slash, it still is good. And it's just quicker now. You get more turns, you get more things, you have a lot more chances for loot. So if you're really looking for something different, I enjoyed it, go give it a try. Drop in at one of the Starfinder Society games, you know, check your local friendly game store, see if they have something going check your college university see a lot of things i know roll 20 is going to be having one soon they're getting the character sheets and things done according to them i've been thinking about running a game or finding a game online for it but go ahead go check it out pick it up at your go- game store go look at it go talk to their owner take a look at the books see what you think sit down for a game that's why you know the starfinder society is out there and stuff like that i how i got into the game was simply being able to drop in play a 20 minute game well they ended up being about an hour but that was just because it is new and even some of the dungeon masters don't really particularly know all the rules which is fine go have fun if you're into space fantasy sci-fi with gods and swords and if you're like me and just like all kinds of crazy stuff go out there and pick it up it's a good game so far and knowing pazio they're going to come out with a lot more stuff On the line. They've been great with finding third parties to produce content, and I think that's really where it is. They've left it open. And I it really shows how open they want it to be in their first book for this, which is well not venture, but their first expanded piece of this, which is the Alien Archive, which I will cover in a moment right after this break. So, Alien Archive was released at the end of October, the first vestiary for Starfinder, containing somewhere around 80 creatures, 22 of which can be used as player races. Some of these are quite obvious, being such as like the Grey or other forms of historical known aliens, if you're into ufology, as well as interesting ones like the Barathu, which are... Somewhat gaseous balloons with claws and such that when they are young are able to adapt and change their physicality to handle different things, giving them resistances or extra attacks, things like that. It's an interesting concept. Now of course they're also including multiple different sizes of creature from the smallest to those that can actually be used as a starship if they feel up to it including things such as mentioned in the core rulebook about a planet ruled by walking apocalypses or kaiju if you're a Godzilla fan like myself, or Pacific Rim. And I must say that this does add a lot to the universe while still giving a lot of opening. There's a section in here for modifying and adapting creatures, creating new ones, as I think that they have such a large universe to work with that they're trying to give us ideas. This seems to hold pretty well as they try to cover everything from what would be common, such as the AVEH, which are walking robots of death, pretty much military drones set aside to do things. If you played Fallout like I do, imagine the robots that are just set to defend places. And there are multiple other things, such as repair droids, the notorious drow, the necrovites, the undead templates, as undead seem to... Play a very big thing with the planet Eox in the game, and of course the corpse fleet being a common issue in the packed worlds. So if you're looking for a nice expansion, add-on, supplement, this does give a lot of options. If you have players who like to play something different, there's plenty of that in here as well. I know I showed it to Jeremy, our co-host here, and he was interested in the new R, which they're a spacefaring race of minotaurs, but at the same time, he wasn't as interested in the artwork. He's currently playing a minotaur rogue in our D&D campaign. Rather interesting idea of a eight-foot-tall, 300-pound minotaur suddenly disappearing, but it makes for interesting story. So again, you can check this out. See Starfinder Alien Archive. I'd say pick it up if you're already into Starfinder, as it, well, it's the bestiary for now. So until next time, remember, Send us your questions. Send us your comments. Look us up at userfriendlyshow.com. Remember, follow us at 1UserFriendly on Facebook and Twitter. That's the number one. As in, there are many user friendlies, but we're number one, as my co-host Bill always says. Until next time, happy gaming. User-Friendly is copyright 2017, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. Music used under license. Opinions expressed on this show are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station.